Ed's neighbors, they've, they've, they've really stepped it up this year. And now I know where Sparky Dupler lives. Yesterday was Kathy's birthday. She's a wise 60 years old now. I watched Carter read his book. He's, he's going to be good at reading here pretty soon. Oh, I've got some serious stuff to look at, too. Um, I've got to send Dennis and Karen a sympathy card because LSU beat Florida last night. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube those videos that, where people are doing crazy things while they're looking at their phone. Some of y'all were worried that I was about to step off the stage. If you watch on YouTube, you can see people fall into fountains at malls. You can see people fall down stairs, which is not good, and we hope that they're all healed and okay, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, time after time, security cameras watch and, and capture people walking straight into glass doors, just boom. And I saw one yesterday where this guy gets off an elevator and he's on his phone and he just simply walks very quickly across the hallway and slams right into a wall. The door was right there, but he wasn't watching where he was going. Sometimes crazy things happen when we're looking down. And God is calling us to look up. Look up. And when we look up, we don't run into the same things as we do whenever we are looking down. Last week, we talked about the fact that looking down can't offer certain things that looking up can. In fact, our big idea was look up for what down can't offer. Albert Einstein said that a problem can't be fixed by the same mindset that created it. So the mentality has to be shifted if we're going to truly make a difference in the world around us. And humanity, we created the issues that we live with right now. We, we continually fix one thing and, and in doing so often break something else. Somebody says, you're not spending enough time with me. So we start focusing all of our attention on them and now we're taking our attention from something else and and so we can shift the focus, we can shift the issue, but only heaven can truly redeem the situation, redeem the person, redeem the plan, redeem the condition of the, the reality we are dealing with. And, and God calls us to lift up our eyes because where our eyes go, there goes our life. If our eyes are lifted, our heart is lifted. If our eyes are lifted, our life is lifted. In fact, look where you're going or you will go where you are looking. That's what we said last week. It's not always easy, though, because the enemy of our soul, and when I say the enemies of our soul, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the carnal nature of man, our own personal humanity that, that causes us to think the way we do and be tempted by the things that we are tempted by and, 
and, and fall to those things, make the mistakes that we make. No one makes a mistake because they intentionally go out to do something bad or to do something that's going to be hurtful to another person. No, we make a mistake because we, we are drawn, naturally drawn to certain things. And if we're not careful, if we don't keep our eyes up, then we become insular in our thinking, insular in our life, and suddenly we're doing the things that, that please us versus always doing the things that are beneficial even for us. And so the natural man is one. The second is the world, the world around us. The world around us, we know it's not elevating things. It's not lifting things up. And sometimes the things that it does try to elevate are not always the things that God would elevate or bless. And, and that's just the reality we're living in right now. And the last enemy of our soul is the demonic forces. The, 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 we have God and the angels of heaven, then we have Satan and the demons of hell. And, and, and the reality is that God is not fighting Satan and Satan is not challenging God. Satan and the demonic forces have already lost the battle. They cannot win. They have not won. They will never win. That's the reality. God has already won, but... As Satan has not been able to defeat God, Satan is after you. He's after me. The demonic forces are there to oppress and impress and suggest and, and so on and so forth. And so sometimes they, they push against us. Now, I do think, I'm, I, I, this is my own personal thought. You think whatever you want on this. But it's my personal thought that the devil and demons get blamed for a lot of things. Our carnal nature and natural man are actually pushing forward satan made me do it no that was just you <laughs> that, that was probably just you but there are some things that satan does do and and the, the demonic forces do in our life and try to cause they, they don't care about you they don't care about me but they hate god so they're doing everything they can to hurt him and the only way they can do that is by hurting you and so all of these things they're trying to pull us down trying to pull us down and maybe you can relate that you've had a day where everything was going good you got up every you were happy you were whistling you were singing tunes you were worshiping jesus and then something happened something changed that person cut you off in traffic and your, your, your day just was going good, and now suddenly it's not good anymore. The situation, it didn't get better. It got, in fact, worse. Something went bad. A temptation that you thought you beat, that you thought you had whipped, uh, it, it rises again. That you, you see that post on Facebook, and it causes you to go in a negative direction. So these things start dragging us down. We started off high, and now we're coming down. It drags down a good day. And it's often not a spectacular thing. It's a mundane thing. It's just kind of a normal thing that's going along, that we're going along and something generally normal happens, but it hits us in the wrong way and suddenly our good day turns into a, kind of a negative day. And, and sometimes it's just the simple, mundane reality of life that can cause us to be dragged down, 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 down. And the camera guy is really loving me right now. Because when things are going down, it's hard to follow that. It's hard to be a part of that. It's hard to, 
It's hard to connect with that, and even in our own lives, it creates disconnects. And today I want to look at a couple of guys that are surrounded by the mundane. They are shepherds, and they are watching sheep at night. Shepherds were some of the most lowly members of society. They weren't considered in the who's who. Some people think they weren't even allowed to worship in the temple because as a shepherd you had to watch your sheep constantly and so even uh, participating in the Sabbath day was a difficult thing for a shepherd because who was going to watch the sheep if you were uh, taking the day off as it were and, and so how were you going to obey the laws of God if you were going to be a shepherd so they were they were really low on the totem pole if you will and then there's nothing more mundane than being a shepherd in a field at night watching sheep sleep. That just is mundane. Now we hear about David in the Old Testament who ultimately becomes king and, and he's, he, he really kind of has an exciting story because we hear that as he's watching the sheep, the bear comes and tries to take a, a sheep and he defeats the bear and then the lion comes and he defeats the lion. But the, these were actually tests in David's life. These were not the normal realities of his life. How else does David have time to sing songs and learn how to play instruments and, and think all of these great things that he ends up thinking if in fact he's fighting bears and lions constantly? No, most of the time he's watching sheep. That gets boring. It's mundane. In fact, David was so ordinary that whenever the prophet came to the house and said, hey, listen, I want you to bring all your sons before me because one of these sons that you have is going to be the king of Israel. His own father, Jesse, never even called David out of the field. He's like, no, that, that's what that guy is good for. I'm not going to call him out of the field. And after, it's only after every other opportunity or possibility was exhausted. And the prophet said, hey, none of these guys, you have any other sons. And Jesse's like, oh, oh, yeah. Can you imagine being the, oh, yeah, son? Yeah, I, I don't want to be the, oh, yeah, son, not at all. But David was the, oh, yeah, son. And so these shepherds that are in the field watching their flocks by night, these guys are, they're in a mundane task on a, on a mundane day. They were just doing normal stuff, and they weren't part of the who's who. They're just, they're just getting the day done, going through the night, getting the motion that has to be done, done, so that their sheep can be handled and the bible says in luke chapter 2 verse 8 that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep now all of a sudden they're going to experience an exceptional moment even in the most mundane situation there are exceptional moments and here's theirs. suddenly an angel of the lord appeared among them and the radiance of the lord's glory surrounded them and they, they, like us, probably, if, if suddenly the angel of the Lord stood in your 
living room while you were sitting there doing something mundane, and suddenly, bam, there's an angel standing in front of you. Uh, I, I know that if you're anywhere from the South, and, and I've found out a lot of people from Michigan and Ohio too, you probably are packing something somewhere, and, and you're, you're, you're going to be terrified, and you're going to be responding in a unique way because you're, you're afraid. This is a, a sudden thing. But now the angel reassured them. He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So, all right, well, all right, I'm going I'm to relax for a minute here and try to hear what you're saying. And then he says, um, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, remember from last week that the, the Messiah was one they were waiting for, waiting for consistently, wanting to see, believing in, praying for, and yet had, had not experienced this yet. And so, and so now the angels are saying, hey, he's been born this day in Bethlehem, the city of David. How? Okay, in verse 12, he says, you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then they take it to the next level because, you know, it's one thing to have one angel show up and start telling you stuff, but it's another thing to have an entire choir of angels appear in your midst and start, uh, uh, start singing to you. And, and, and they, they, they were joined, an angel was joined by a vast host of others, so that's a lot. The armies of heaven, wow, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is, this is a, a spectacular moment in an otherwise mundane existence. It's a spectacular situation. And just as Gabriel had said to Mary, Mary, look up, look up, look up. And Mary's response was to look down. And Gabriel again says, no, 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 look up. Just as Gabriel had said to Mary, look up. Now this angel is saying to the shepherds, look up. Lift your eyes out of the mundane thing you're in and look that there and understand that there is something bigger, there is something greater that is happening in your life, in your area right now. And here's our big idea today. The big idea is looking up elevates your attention from the mundane. Looking up elevates your attention from the mundane. The reason why people are on their cell phones while they're walking down the hall in the mall or down going through an elevator or, or uh, just walking down a street is because they are doing a mundane thing and they are trying to, to distract their attention. They're trying to, to be in two places at once. One is in the activity that they're operating in and the other is in a different men, uh, mentality at all. And that and uh, uh, different mentality in their mind is what I was trying to say. But uh, since I wasn't in my mind, I, I didn't say that. When I exercise, I don't like to be without something going on. 
And so one of the reasons I like exercising in my house is because I blast music or I blast a, a, a podcast or, or a sermon from another pastor. I, I, I listen to stuff because if I can get my brain in another place, I can do the mundane, mundane task of exercising. And, and what's happening here is, is God is saying to these, these shepherds, no, I need you, your attention needs to be on this spectacular thing that's going on in the life in your life, in your area around you. And I have three thoughts for us today. And thought number one is this, that looking up brings revelation. It brings revelation. This revelation of a Savior came from above. It did not come from looking down and watching sheep sleep. No, it, it, it arrived from above. And God is constantly calling us up. Always calling us to advancement, always calling us to take our attention and lift it into something greater. In Genesis chapter 15, God calls Abraham to look up and see the stars in the sky, and he said, that's going to be the number of your descendants. Don't look at what's going on right here, Abram, and don't look at the fact that you have no children right now, Abraham. Understand that you look up and know that your descendants are going to be like the stars of the heavens. Genesis chapter 18, Abraham, it was when he looked up from his mundane task that he saw God revealed in the earth. It in, in his day, in the Old Testament, we would call that a theophany, where God is manifest in flesh somehow, and, and people interact with him. And so the scripture tells us that Abraham had lunch with God. It was when he looked up from his mundane task. Genesis chapter 24, Rebecca looked up, and she saw her destiny with Isaac. You can look through the scripture, and you can see consistently that people are looking up. Genesis 31, Joseph looked up and, and saw God's miraculous blessing in his life, constantly calling us to look up. The Psalms are telling us over and over, lift up your eyes, lift up your head, lift up your eyes, look up, look up. Why? So you can see the blessings of God in your life. And if you look at the, the uh, life of Jesus, you find that Jesus was constantly looking up and he would call upon the Father while looking up. And as he looked up, he would see the power of God working in his life. God calls us to look up. Looking down restricts our view, but looking up expands our view. Looking down limits our perspective. Looking up expands our perspective. And your life is often as small or large as your view. Your life is often as small or large as your view. We have the story of Michael in the Old Testament. She is the wife of King David that we just talked about, the, the shepherd who became king. And she's, look, she's upstairs in, in their apartments and she's looking down from the window. She's looking down upon David. And as she looks down upon him physically, she, she begins to get a negative opinion of him. And she begins to critique and criticize him. And ultimately, it does not go well for Michael, even though it continues to go well for David. Her perspective changed and she began to despise him. Paul wrote 
Don't look down on those that see things differently than you do. Don't get caught up in how they see stuff. Don't look down upon them. Then you become critical and you become condemning of others. In the church, in families, in business, in our community, it is so easy to start looking down. And when we start looking down on something, we get critical and we become condemning. And, and it, 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 does, it, never, it never elevates the situation at all. I don't know if you know this or not, but everyone has an opinion. Shocking, I know, but it's true. Everybody has an opinion. And here's my encouragement to you. If your opinion is negative about something, look up before you share that opinion. Before you post that opinion. Look up. You know there's a difference between a critique and a criticism? A critique is something that benefits a situation and benefits a person. A critique is built off of relationship. A critique says, hey, I care about you, and I care about the vision that you have, and so I want to help you in that vision, and here's something that I, have, that I have noticed, and I would like to share it with you. It benefits. A criticism is simply fault-finding. It is simply an, express, an expressed complaint or an expressed opinion that is negative. An opinion, uh, uh, so a criticism and a critique are very different. And I would just encourage you that an anonymous criticism is never welcome. An anonymous criticism is not biblical. An anonymous criticism is not helpful. An anonymous criticism is not benefiting the person that you are trying to communicate with. Uh, an anonymous criticism is just all about you and you expressing your opinion. And I'll just say from my perspective, uh, when, when I get anonymous criticisms, I just throw them in the trash can. So save a tree and don't send them. Or sign your name. Because when you sign your name and you say, here's, here, here's my opinion, now it can become a critique. It can be something that can elevate the situation. Why? Because now I know where this is coming from and I can say, oh, that person is really for me. Mark is really for me. In fact, isn't it your, was it your birthday yesterday? Happy birthday, Mark. He, Mark is for me and he's one year wiser than he was the day before yesterday. And so he is for me. And so whenever he shares something with me and it's attached to him, now I know where it's coming from. I know what it's trying to do. I know what the motivation behind it might be be and now I can the whole situation and my own life can be elevated by your sharing of your opinion an expanded view may change your perspective of something let me give you some examples yes maybe you don't agree with the boss's decision in a particular area but when you look up and you see that your your company and your job are secure in very uncertain times, then, then it might change your perspective on how big of an issue your disagreement with this particular decision may be. Yes, maybe your family member didn't make the decision that you would have liked to see them make. Maybe they're going in a direction that's a little different than what you would have chosen for them. But you look up and you recognize that that is one decision that's going to be made in a lifetime of decisions and you say, you know what? 
in, in light of an entire lifetime, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this one area of disappointment so that I can continue a relationship for the rest of their life. Yeah, maybe you didn't like every song in the arrangement of the musical set for the service. But then you look up and you realize that five people have been baptized in the last month. And then you say, well, wait a minute. Maybe five baptisms are simply more important than whether or not I like this one particular song or don't like that one particular song. I look up and suddenly my perspective changes. Really, my world is getting bigger. My, my understanding is enlarging. And whenever you look up, you might find the and side of this thing overwhelms the criticism that you may have levied and suddenly you find peace in the situation no it doesn't mean you like everything it doesn't change your thought on the subject matter but there are simply bigger things to consider it shifts the perspective and changes your attitude and i would venture to say that every single one of us when we look at those who are critiquing or criticizing our life we wish they would adopt that attitude and so i'm simply suggesting that we adopt the attitude that we wish everybody else would adopt towards us hallelujah the angels brought a new perspective they said to these shepherds look up you think you're involved in a in a mundane thing in a mundane life in a lifetime of nothing happening in your world and yet you, if you just look up here you'll find out that something absolutely spectacular is happening in your world they were watching sheep, and the Lamb of God was being revealed to them. Look up. What revelations can you be missing in your life? What perspective could you be needing to shift in your life, but you're looking down? You're caught in a mundane world. Revelation comes when you're looking up. So if you're saying, I just wish I knew what to do next. I just wish I could understand what needed to happen next. I just, I just wish I knew what I needed to do to break out of this cycle that I'm in or this situation that I'm in. My, my encouragement is don't look down. Don't look down. Look up. It's by looking up that re revelation comes into your life. And that brings us to thought number two, that looking up produces worship. It produces worship. Revelation opens the door to worship. And worship of anything is a result of revelation about that thing. People that worship sports stars have a revelation of how awesome they are in their area of, of sports. People who worship anything have an understanding about that thing, a revelation about that thing. And so when we have a revelation about God, about who he is and what he's doing, it suddenly expands our perspective and worship is the result. It's worth-ship. It's an intentional recognition and acknowledgement of worthiness. It's saying you're worthy of what I'm offering you right now. The angel offered revelation. The Lamb of God is being born and, and the, the Savior, the Messiah, is being born in Bethlehem today. And then following the revelation, all of a sudden worship springs forth. And godly revelation always produces worship. It acknowledges value. The angel said, the Savior's born. 
And then the angels, plural, began to worship. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God in the highest heaven. What is worship? What do we mean by that? Is worship, uh, well, what, what is it? The worship, number one, is a statement. It's an individual statement of worth. It's saying, you're worth this. Now, worship is unified in focus. We today are, are in a unified manner, online, on-site. We're unified in our worship, and our focus is singularly on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's singularly upon God, our, our Father, our Redeemer. It's singular in its unity, but it is individual in its expression. Every single one of us are uniquely expressing worship to God. Some of us worship God in one way while another worships God in another way. It's unique. That, that's why you cannot worship for me. I cannot worship for you. I can't say, well, Christie's worshiping today, so I don't have to. No, it's, it's, it's uh, unified and focused, but it's unique in expression. Secondly, worship is an expression. It's an expression that indicates worth. Sometimes it includes singing. Sometimes it includes dancing. It's celebrating. It's declaring and speaking. It's adoration being given. There, there's an activity involved in it. And worship is a sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of self. As we offer what the focus of our worship deserves. So sometimes, i just be very open with you, sometimes I, I get into a moment and I know I should worship and I just don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like expressing nothing. I just want to be insular, I just want to be to myself, but I don't get that privilege when I'm in the presence of one worthy of worship. And so I sacrifice me to give him what he deserves. And ultimately, worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of submission to one that is greater than myself. I say, you're, you're greater than me, so I, I worship you. I offer you something. I, I, I offer you me. I, I declare your greatness. I, I display my love for you because, because you're worthy of that. You're worthy. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not hidden, silent, reserved. It's an expression that is equal to the value placed on the one being worshiped. I've had a couple of times uh, where people have come to me and said, uh, you know, this person, Pastor Mike, I'm in this relationship and, and this person really loves me and, and man, they, they just tell me how much they love me and, and how much they care about me, but they, they don't want anybody to know about our relationship. There's something wrong with that. So when people say, God is my everything, God is my all in all, my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to me in my life, but I don't want anybody to know about it. Then there's something wrong with that. Our reasons to worship increase as our eyes are lifted. And the more that's revealed, the more we have 
reason to worship. God doesn't change, but he becomes greater and greater in our life as our revelation of him increases. It's kind of like us as kids, whenever we're growing up, we have this, uh, this view of our parents. And at first we think our parents know everything about everything and they are the authority on everything and my daddy's stronger than your daddy and my mama's better than your mama and that's how life is. And then you get a little older and then you realize that there are some cracks in the armor. They aren't everything that you thought that they were. They actually don't know everything. And then we swing to the idea of my daddy knows nothing and my mother is really not that bright. And, um, you know, I've got this thing figured out and they are old fuddy-duddies stuck in the past and, and they don't understand how it really is today. And then we get a little more revelation and we come to the place that, hey, my mom and dad actually were quite brilliant. And uh, hey, dad, how exactly did you do that thing? And hey, mom, how did this work out? And, and um, you know, and, and, and that's the progress that most of us make. The reality is our parents haven't changed. They're the same parents. Our revelation of them continues to shift. The only thing that's different is that with God, we never find the cracks because he's perfect in all of his ways. But our revelation of him continues to shift, and he becomes greater and greater in our lives, which brings us to thought number three, that looking up produces worship, and it results in peace. Results in peace. The angels revealed the prince of peace. Maybe you've, you know the old song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. The line of that that I think is so important for us today is, And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. It's not that they change, it's not that they're gone, it's that they become dim. Why? In the light of his glory and grace. What happens is the, the things of this earth become dim because our focus is entirely on him. And as we look up, suddenly the things that filled our vision are no longer quite as big and they don't they can't fill our vision whenever he's filling our vision and worship upward is linked with peace on earth to those that are connected by faith Luke 2:14 and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased who's God pleased with today He's pleased with those who are looking 
up, looking up to him for revelation, looking up to him for salvation, looking up to him for all things that we need, intentionally seeking relationship with him. When you worship, you intentionally engage God in the situation in which you are involved. And that automatically results in a newfound level of peace. Think about it. Do you think that these shepherds were ever the same again? Do you think their life was ever the same again? Years later, they're sitting there at night watching sheep sleep. And they're talking about, hey, you guys, you remember? You remember that night whenever we were sitting here? And all of a sudden, that dude was standing right in the middle of us. Dude, you can't call an angel a dude. Okay, that angel was sitting right in the middle of us. You remember that? You remember when we, we kind of, we left Joe over here with the sheep and we all, the rest of us went to see if this was true and, and then it was and now look at what's happening. Jesus is all over the place. Just yesterday I was at the restaurant because, you know, they didn't have COVID. I was at the restaurant and I was, I was talking to Bill and I told him, hey, Bill, you, you know, he was talking about Jesus and all that stuff Jesus was doing. And I said, hey, you know him. I, I knew him when. <laughs> I knew him when he was wrapped in striped cloth and he was laying in a manger. I, I, that's when I saw him first. I started looking up and suddenly I started seeing something that was different. The shepherd's lives were never the same because revelation changes us forever. And if you've looked up, then the revelation that Almighty God came from above and he stepped into this earth and he died to pay our debt and he rose again to empower our lives. And if you've applied his sacrifice to your life, then peace is yours. It's not a possibility. It is a reality in your life. It's a reality in your life. So if you're feeling stressed and anxious right now, then my encouragement to you is check your eyes. Are you looking down or are you looking up? Where is your focus right now? It's not always easy. I know that in my own life, I experience times where I feel low. I feel depressed. I feel anxiety. I feel fear. I feel all of the different emotions that come with just living in this world and consistently being dragged down. But always, every time, I feel that way until I discover where my eyes are. My eyes are always looking down. And when I lift up my eyes when I see Jesus worship fills my life and two things can't occupy the same space so when worship fills my life fear has to go anxiety has to go 
all those negative things that I'm feeling have to go because two things can't fill the same space. And so when worship revelation comes, worship fills my life and all of a sudden peace begins to dwell in my heart as the Prince of Peace is lifted up in my life and in your life too. Sometimes you say, well, how do you get into that place of worship? Well, sometimes you just simply say, to, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. I'm lifting up my eyes. Oh, oh, oh. I'm dwelling on it right now. Oh, oh, oh. Worship team, come on out here and, and help us with this. Why don't you stand to me with me for a minute? Oh, oh.
up in the mundane thing and it's just dragging us down I pray that we would look up carnal nature natural tendency is to find something that's lower than we already are we go more base when we're feeling down that's when, that's when we start looking for those things like drugs and alcohol and pornography and affairs and entertainment that's unhealthy. We're looking for distractions and today we're not looking for distractions, we're looking for redemption. And only you bring redemption. So we lift our eyes to you. King of heaven, yes. Lord of earth, and Savior of our soul. Thank you. Thank you for the hope you bring. Thank you for the life you give. And we pray that your will would be done in our life today as we look to you in Jesus' name we pray. And if that's your prayer today, would everybody just say amen. Amen.